As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast. This week is another revisiting of the newsletter from July 21st, 2021. When I started the newsletter, my intent all along was to share my journey through wine country. Week in and week out, I am engrossed in my adventures while learning so much along the way. I enjoy getting emails every week from you saying how you appreciated the newsletter. It gives me fuel for the next week. I'm going to do something a tad bit different this week. It's still all about learning and part of my journey, but yes, there's always a but. I want to share what I have absorbed over the last several months regarding sparkling. If you are an expert in all things sparkling, aka bubbles, aka champagne, here is your get out of jail free card. Have a great weekend and I'll see you next week. If you're still here, thank you for sticking around. Shall we begin? Since you are reading this newsletter, I can safely assume you enjoy wine or you are a close friend supporting my wine habit while being a cheerleader on the sideline cheering me along. We all know wine is a social glue. It brings people together in times of happiness and sorrow. Add in carbon dioxide, sugar, and a heck of a lot of patience to the mix. And now we have a representation of good, happy times. Sparkling symbolizes celebrations at Super Bowls, the World Series, New Year's, and countless other events. We are programmed to be giddy about bubbles. And it doesn't bother me one bit. Did you realize the addition of bubbles to still wine was a mistake? The accident, in air quotes, was the wine was added to the bottle before it was done fermenting. As a result, quartz would blow out of the bottles. These bottles were called the devil's wine. Eventually, mucelets, aka wire cages, were created and paved the way for what we call method champenois, method traditional sparkling wines. In addition, you might see method cremant, which is precisely like method champenois, but not from the Champagne region. One other method of sparkling production to note is method ancestral, pet nat. The difference between the two is all about second fermentation. Pet nat, the triage during second fermentation, is left in the bottle, giving the wine a hazy look to it. Traditional, the triage is riddled to the bottle's neck, where it is frozen and disgorged from the bottle. Typically, you can tell the difference from looking at the bottle caps. Pet nat typically has a cap on the bottle and traditional has a cage around its cork. All of us are aware Pinot is king and Chardonnay is queen in Oregon. I also assume you are aware of the similar climates between Burgundy and the Willamette Valley. Did you also know the weather in the Champagne is also similar to our wonderful Willamette Valley? A majority of the great Champagnes comprise of Pinot, Blanc de Noir, and Chardonnay, Blanc de Blanc. Are you learning anything yet? For me, the next big question is, if we produce killer Pinots and Shards, why don't more Oregon wineries produce sparkling? Let's think through the process a little bit. As a winery, you have to be super crazy patient on top of your already patient timeline of producing still wines. Let's say you're making a Blanc de Noir. Harvest for sparkling starts three or four weeks before the expected harvest. So the sugar levels, aka bricks, 
are lower. After harvest, first fermentation occurs, followed by adding triage for secondary fermentation in the bottle. The first fermentation timeline depends on what the winemaker wants to achieve with barrel. Secondary fermentation takes six to eight weeks before disgorging occurs, where it is corked and caged to age even more for a fantastic bubbly experience. Outside of extreme patience, special equipment is needed to disgorge and not to mention the triage. Luckily for us, Andrea Rich of Radiant Sparkling Wine Company provides the equipment and consulting services to ensure the best sparkling wine possible. Diving deeper and deeper into Oregon sparkling, the number of wineries using Andrew Davis's equipment and services is impressive to me. It feels like Radiant Sparkling is the nucleus of Oregon sparkling. Andrew's Oregon journey started with Argyle. He was there for seven years. When he left, he desired to continue on the sparkling path. As he began to consult, wineries wanted to create sparkling, but there was a lack of resources, AKA no equipment, knowledge, that uh, ended up presenting a bunch of roadblocks. Looking at similar models in Champaign and California, Andrew compiled a business plan for a loan. The first year, Andrew had eight producers and the second year exceeded his business plan. The demand for bubbles exceeded Andrew's expectations and was lucky enough to deliver on a need. In 20 to 30 years, Andrew's goal is to have Oregon become the new world icon for sparkling. My research so far, I found 42 different producers of Oregon sparkling. Now you're listening to this. Remember, this was in 2001. We're getting ready to close out 2023. And I have to tell you, oh my gosh, it is so more than 42. I were probably over a hundred at this point, but I digress. Most are in the Valley, but there is one producer, Mason Jessamy in Southern Oregon, knocking it out of the ballpark. Sunset Magazine had a recent wine competition, Sunset International Wine Competition and the 2019 Partridge Eyes. It's a cuvee of 50% Pinot and 50% Chardonnay from Maison Jessamy went home with the best sparkling award. Also, if you're paying attention to last week's newsletter, Domaine Serene's Rosé Brut scored 96 and their Brut scored 95 at Decanter's World Wine Awards. It's enthralling to see Oregon getting on the map for sparkling. Can't wait to see where it takes us. Real quick, glassware for sparkling? If you want to drink bubbles for the sake of drinking bubbles, glutes are the way to go. However, if you're wanting to get a little nerdy, don't use a flute. Flutes don't allow you the ability to do a proper sniffy sniff. I kind of like the Riedel champagne glasses, but if you don't want to spend the money, a nice universal glass or a Chardonnay glass will get you great results. Also, a nice little quick tangent. Every time I go out into the world to get sparkling, I always ask, can I get it in a Chardonnay glass? I never, ever, ever get sparkling in a flute unless there are no other choices. I don't like drinking out of flutes. Ugh, I don't know why. Okay, enough. I will bore you to death with one more tidbit I learned during my sparkling journey, and it is the term moose. Before I get into moose, there is a little thing you need to know while tasting sparkling. Do not swirl like a pinot or a shard. You do not want to wreck the bubbles. Moose is all about the bubbles while describing the foam once it is in your glass. But it doesn't stop there. Once the foam has soothed down a bit, 
Notice how bubbles continue to escape to the top of the glass. If there are enough bubbles, you will see a thin layer of mousse across the top of the wine. Mousse is also used to describe mouthfeel. The tinier the bubbles, the more sensation is felt across your mid-palate. Sparkling is such an excellent rabbit hole to explore. I am curious what organ sparkling you have enjoyed. Was there an occasion you opened it a bottle or was it just a Tuesday night kind of thing? Again, thank you so much for listening and we will see you again next week.